out the tunnel on College Football Live with this. A top 10 showdown has the Knowles on the top of everyone's mind. What kind of statement did Florida State make with their dominating win over LSU? And speaking of statement wins, Deion Sanders kept the receipts, and we are taking notes after Colorado gets the win over number 17 TCU. Plus, which quarterbacks lived up to the hype in their season debuts? Why the Pac-12 may be the conference of quarterbacks and five straight days of college football wraps up tonight in Durham number nine Clemson on the road against a Duke team that is on the rise we are live from Durham here on college football live College Football Live, Kelsey Riggs alongside former Texas standout Sam Ocho and former Clemson captain Eric McClain. We'll have Rod Gilmore with us in just a bit as well as Pete Thamel with some late updates. But right now, you guys, we got to get to what we saw, a top 10 showdown last night between Florida State and LSU. And man, was it a great game. Got to see these two teams in action for the very first time, but this is a rematch of what we have seen in the past with Brian Kelly and Mike Norvell. The 11th meeting all-time between the two schools, the first time with both of them ranked in the AP Top 10. So what would happen? Well, it would look a little bit like this. Opening Florida State Drive, Jordan Travis and Emac. Say hello to Keon Coleman. Yeah, this young man right here is an absolute freak show. Big body athlete goes for the hat trick today. Speaking of athletes, Jaden Daniels keeps it himself. Long run of 40 yards, LSU driving, trying to see if they can continue to pile it on and break the tie. And they're able to do it here with Noah Kane, Sam. Yeah, LSU got in the red zone, got stopped early, but finally was able to get this score down low. Ensuing Florida State drive, Jordan Travis, what will he be able to do? Well, he'll be able to do a lot if Keon Coleman keeps doing that, Sam. Yeah, Keon Coleman transferred from Michigan State, former basketball standout. It was almost as if he boxed out the defender to get his touchdown. <laughs> Second touchdown of the game for him, third quarter tied at 17. Jordan Travis to Lawrence Toa Philly. 41 yards down, down to the one, got so close, but not quite there. They're on the doorstep, and then Jordan Travis going to make the play himself here. Awesome job from him. Florida State in front, 24-17 after three. Fourth quarter we go. LSU trailing. Daniels throws it, but uh, Renardo Green gets it, Emac. Yeah, you love to see it. Sometimes the best offense, little defense gets a nice hot streak here for the Knowles going. This is good offense, too. Jordan Travis can get it done so many different ways. Gets a gain of 13 with his legs there. And then later, how about this connection? A third time to Keon Coleman. Three touchdowns in his Florida State debut. This defense was outstanding, too, though. Here's Jared Verse after the win. We expected that. I mean, that's what we do. That's right. we're, we're a dominant team. I told everybody we're strong, we're fast. A lot of people were saying, oh, well, this, they got this, they got that. We weren't worried about none of that. It's us. Everybody that's in Dope Campbell Stadium every day, everybody that's in Tallahassee every day, that's the only people that matter to us. We knew what was going to happen. That first half, we got beside ourselves. That second half, we became ourselves. Emac Jordan, uh, Jared Verse, rather, he's always going to talk that talk. They delivered in this top 10 matchup. How big of a win, Emac, was this for Florida State? 
Oh, it's massive. I mean, this is a tone setter. We all know that if you go against a high-caliber opponent, a top-five opponent on the road at a neutral site and get the dub, I mean, that, that's how you change the narrative. That, that's how you get it done. And for these guys, it's going to be really interesting to see where they fall tomorrow. I was talking to a couple of AP voters, and they're saying we are strongly considering voting Florida State number one. When you look at the resume, it's a preseason ranking that we were following suit with. Why not? They have the best resume right now. I will not be shocked to see Florida State number one come AP rankings. And it was exciting to see the way – it was exciting, Kelsey, to your point, to see the way that Florida State showed up in this game. I mean, offensively, they were hunting. Defensively, they were getting after the quarterback. You saw a lot of tackles for loss. And then also, also all these transfers. We saw Keon Coleman, the transfer two-sport athlete from Michigan State, have three touchdowns. Johnny Wilson, though he did have a couple drops, a 6-7 receiver, he was able to make plays. No matter where you look and – and then the running game as well. No matter where you looked on this Florida State offense, they were clicking on all cylinders, Trey Benson being the main back in the backfield. And so that's what got me excited about this offense, not just the way they won, but the way they won using every single piece of their offense, defense, and special teams. And Jaheim Bell is a tight end who transferred in from South Carolina. He had a touchdown as well, so all four of their passing touchdowns were from transfers coming in and making an immediate impact. Eric, we've we've seen Jordan Travis, his growth throughout the years, and it seemed like we saw even more growth from the first half to the second half for him. What did you like about what you saw from Jordan Travis? Yeah, really, Kelsey, a couple of uncharacteristic plays in the, in the first half there, and then he just turned it on. I mean, when you saw that fourth down conversion, where he just lightly threw it out there. Red allowed the blitz to come to him, gets it out to his guy, super impressive. But this right here on the goal line, he's reading the right side of the line of scrimmage. The guy on the left is not the read. That's just his magician ability, his uncanny you know, presence in a football game to be able to see that, to feel that, and then pull it and to walk into the end zone. This young man is playing at such a high level. He is at his absolute peak. Now, I think that where can that go for the rest of the season? The synergy between all these wide receivers, all these weapons. Florida State is going to be a very scary team for anybody on the schedule. Especially when they're clicking on both sides of the ball, like they were last night, Sam. So this defense was outstanding. We heard from Jared Verse, who was a big addition to this team last year. What do you think about the way that they were really able to dominate up front against a really talented LSU offensive line? Uh, Jared Verse and the rest of that defensive line lived in LSU's backfield. And that's what I noticed this game, but also go back and watch film from last year. They were doing the same things. And so they're picking up where they left off from last season. And it's exciting to see what they're going to do as the season continues. Y'all, the first half was really good, but let's dive a little bit deeper into that second half because, as I mentioned, the defense stepped up in a big way. Emac, you talked about what we saw from Jordan Travis. They were down three at the half, but during the first 23 minutes of the second half, they outscored LSU 24 to nothing. Their quarterback, Jordan Travis, nearly perfect, while Jaden Daniels threw an interception that you saw and was sacked twice, so they were getting to the quarterback. They were making big plays. So what does LSU head coach Brian Kelly have to say? about what he saw. Yeah, congratulations to Florida State. They played a great second half. Um, they were the better football team tonight. And, um, you know, we certainly uh, are not the football team that I thought we were. Um, and, uh, you know, got to do a much better job, obviously, and developing our football team. Sam, it's only the first game, but no team that has ever lost week one has made it to the college football playoff that started back in 2014. So, Sam, where does this LSU team go from here? 
they still have a great opportunity to make the college football playoff. And the reason I say that is that I go back to last year. They also lost in week one. And what happened? They made it to the SEC championship game and they played Georgia. If they would have beat Georgia, there's a high likelihood that they would have been the first two loss team in the college football playoffs. So my point is this. Though it hasn't been done before, they are in the SEC. They have the schedule to make to give them a chance to still reach every single one of their goals. Yeah, Sam, I completely agree, man. I think it's so silly uh, that, that folks are saying that they're out of it. I mean, <laughs> you, they have the schedule. You have the people in front of you. You still control your own destiny. That's the greatest thing about this college football format right now. You can stumble, but just once. You don't have another one behind that. So certainly the way it's laid out and the opportunity that you're going to have in December to possibly win an SEC championship, you'll be just fine. So everybody freaking out. These guys will be okay. And I've spent a little bit of time with the selection committee in doing like a mock selection committee process. And they don't – the selection committee will not penalize LSU for playing a top ten opponent in week one. That's what they won't do. So, if anything, it will add to your strength of schedule, your strength of record, et cetera. But there will not be a penalty for LSU. So, uh, they have every opportunity, as we mentioned before, to still reach every single one of their goals. That's a good point, Sam, and especially since it is so early in the season, you never know what's going to happen week one, not like yeah. that recency bias will kick in. Uh, their head coach, Brian Kelly, called it a total failure on the coaching staff. We'll see what adjustments they are able to make as they get ready for a tough SEC season. Speaking of coaching adjustments, how about what we saw from Deion Sanders in Colorado in his debut as they took on TCU third quarter. TCU trailing, but the pass is picked off by Travis Hunter. A great read to come up with the interception. And you're going to want to remember that name because there is more coming from him. TCU fans can't believe it, but this game's not over yet. Early fourth quarter. Chandler Morris takes it himself, Acho. Chandler Morris got the team the lead late in the game, but Shadur Sanders is coming, as is Travis Hunter right there on the catch. <laughs> That's Travis Hunter playing offense as well. The 43-yard gain, Colorado moving the chains. Then more from Shador Sanders to Jimmy Horn. A 26-yard touchdown, Colorado takes a 38-35 lead. Then after a 61-yard kick return to punch it in from TCU, Colorado trailing. Sanders to Dylan Edwards and Acho, he breaks free. True freshman Dylan Edwards had four total touchdowns receiving and rushing, dominated the game. And then one minute to play. TCU needs to go for it. They cannot get it. How about Deion Sanders and Colorado with the win over TCU? And this is a blessing. Everybody, Buff Nation who supported us in all the hood that had my back. I thank y'all. God, this is good. They surrendered some big plays throughout the game, and we all we kept teaching was just we need one stop, one stop. But what about the offense? How did they respond? How did these guys respond? I don't know how many snaps he played, but we're going to put a hot tub on the plane for him to make sure he's straight. We told you, you thought we were joking. And guess what? We keep receipts. God bless you, America. Ooh, God is good. He's got like a CVS version of receipts, I'm sure, because that list just goes on and on from everybody who is talking about him. Sam, you were at the game. We'll have more on that a little bit later. But what did you see from this Colorado team that has you believing? I saw the belief. I even saw before the game the team following Deion Sanders' lead. They said, I 
believe. They repeated that over and over again. They wouldn't allow anyone on the sideline, out of the tunnel, in the locker room if you didn't believe. So I saw that from the players. I saw that from the head coach, Deion Sanders, even the coaching staff, guys like Nick Williams. Every single one of these Colorado Buffaloes believed from the start, and this proved it. Sam, you believe now, too. I can tell. I see that you believe. But, but listen, uh, this was a stunning and exciting game, a fun game to watch. And everybody gets caught up in the athleticism, the speed and the like. But listen, this is a really well-coached team, and they scheme guys wide open. I want you to take a look at a couple of plays just to show what I mean. Some real money plays. This is a, a third down and three on the goal line. They want to get the ball to their running back out of the backfield. So they screen off the linebacker inside who's supposed to cover him. He's wide open, really well designed. Another money play, how about fourth and two? Now when they send their receiver from right to left in motion, that defensive back has to sprint with them. Only way to catch up. But then when he doubles back, you're way behind. Fourth and two, you got a lot of grass, you got your guy wide open, he's going with the ball. Really well done. I mean, talk about scheming things the right way in addition to shocking people with this win. This is a well-coached team. There's a lot of good things that we can talk about from this game, including what we saw in some individual performances as well, not just the individual coaching performances. But you saw a little bit of in that highlight, Travis Hunter playing on both sides of the ball. It was impressive stuff from him. Two-way star became the first player over the last 20 years to have at least 100 receiving yards and an interception in a game. Then you've got the quarterback, Shador Sanders, threw for 510 yards, the most in a game in Colorado history. Guys, they're, they're, they're making records, taking notes, taking names all over the place in this first one. So which performance, Sam, was more impressive? I'm going to go with Shador Sanders' performance. The reason why is that no one believed that Shador Sanders could do what he did at an HBCU level, but even at a higher clip. This is 510 yards. That's not only a Colorado record, but that's more than he threw the last two years in a single game at Jackson State. And so for me, Shador Sanders, the four tuds, the 500, over 500 yards, but also his calmness. I was right behind the bench. I was right behind him. After some of these touchdowns, he didn't blink. He wasn't phased. I was overly impressed by Shadur Sanders. Uh, Sam, I, I, I love you and I love uh, Shadur, but we've seen quarterbacks throw for 500 yards. What Travis Hunter <laughs> did is rare. This rarely comes up. I mean, Chuck Woodson did it back in the day in the 90s. Champ Bailey did it. You know, Chris, uh, uh, Chris Gamble did it. But it's hard to find a guy who can play offense and defense and play more than 120 plays, make catches, make a pick, and really impact the game. This is just rare air. It just doesn't show up that often. And this is really special. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I, you can't win the Heisman in September. You can lose it. But Travis Hunter is all in the Heisman because he is the best, most complete player in college football right now. He is on the odds right now in the Heisman race. We will see. We'll get more into that later and what we saw from Pac-12 quarterbacks. But I want to bring in our Pete Thamel as we talk about this Colorado bandwagon. Pete, I'm on it. A lot of people are on it. A lot of people across college football taking note of what Deion Sanders and Colorado were able to do. What's the impact of this going forward? Well, Kelsey, those CVS receipts you're talking about could also be the list of players from the portal he brought in. That's uh, right. 56 players left Colorado in the transfer portal. 
51 transfers came in, 21 new freshmen. It's unprecedented in the history of college football what he did. And I really think when we look back at this Colorado TCU game this year, no matter what happens to Colorado, which has a ridiculously difficult September schedule still ahead, it will be a paradigm change in how rosters are shaped around the sport. We saw Texas State pull off an unlikely win with 50 new players from the portal with new coach G.J. Kinney when they won at Baylor. The sport is changing before our eyes, and no matter what happens to Colorado this season, that game will be a singular moment in changing roster building. It is a difficult schedule, but it is an opportunity, I'm sure, for this team to continue making believers out of them. Meanwhile, in Tallahassee, I think Mike Norvell in his fourth year has a lot of guys believing in what he is doing after that win over LSU. What do you think about the job he's done and how he's been able to really get this program back to prominence? Well, Dion's whole cake is transfers. Mike Norvell just used frosting to sort of just tuck out the roster <laughs> a little bit. If you look last night at the players who flashed for Florida State, you saw Keon Coleman score three touchdowns. He came over for Michigan State. You saw corner Fentrell Cypress, who you remember from Virginia, Kelsey, make a big third down PBU. They brought in 12 players. Braden Fisk, the big D lineman, best D lineman in the MAC last year. At at Western Michigan. They just accentuated the areas of need to become a playoff contender. Got to see both of those guys step up in a big way last year for Mike Norvell's crew. It was Jared Verse who we're just all finding about. He continues to be a big part of that defense and what they're doing. Pete Thamel, we appreciate it. We'll have more from you in just a moment. More to get to on College Football Live because there were questions in Columbus. No depth chart in Tuscaloosa and a new face in Athens. We've got reactions to quarterbacks making their debuts as QB1. And speaking of quarterbacks, it's not the Heisman Trophy winner, just him who's catching our attention in the Pac-12. Could there be multiple Heisman finalists from out west? That's ahead here on College Football Live. College Football Live. Let's take a look at some of the quarterbacks who made their debuts this weekend. And we started Georgia with Carson Beck. Had 294 yards and a touchdown in his first career start. Didn't play in the fourth quarter. Here's his head coach, Kirby Smarts, with some feedback. There's going to be incompletions in games. There's going to be looks that maybe they fool you with. You didn't see in the week in scouting report. But his run check game, his uh, carrying out his fakes, his decision in the pocket, him throwing the ball away, I mean, Guy, I thought the guy for a first start played really well. All right, so that's the reaction we have so far from Carson Beck and from Kirby Smart, Sam Acho, Rod Gilmore with me. Sam, your thoughts on what we saw from, from Georgia? Yeah, my thoughts are Georgia was what we expected them to be, right? Like defensively, they were strong. And obviously offensively, Carson Beck performed well. That's what you wanted to see. Now they'll get tested more as the season progresses. But this is a solid start for Georgia. Sam, good stuff. Let's take a look at another quarterback because there were questions about what we were going to see from Ohio State. And then we found out that it was going to be Kyle McCord that was getting the start for them. So Ohio State gets, goes with them. They have 239 passing yards. Didn't have any touchdowns, though, and one interception in his second career start. Only the third game under Ryan Day where a team had zero passing touchdowns. How about Alabama? Quarterback questions 
there as well. No depth chart, but it does end up being Jalen Milrow, who we see first last year's backup. 194 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. First Alabama player in history with three passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in a single game. Here's Nick Saban afterwards. So you're asking me to speculate, and I ask, answer a hypothetical question about how some guy's going to perform in the future. I don't really know. I mean, I love him. I think he's doing well. He's a good competitor. He'll do everything he can to play his best. But I don't, I don't have – this is a Coke bottle. It's not a crystal ball. Thamel, this is a pink pen. It's not a crystal ball, but I am asking you to use your crystal ball and tell us what you think that we're going to see out of the quarterback positions at both Ohio State and Alabama moving forward. Let's start with Alabama. Well, no matter what what you look into for the uh, future for your fortune teller, uh, it seems pretty obvious Jalen Milrow will get the start against Texas on Saturday, Kelsey. Uh, he led Alabama to six touchdown drives, and after those six drives, they put Tyler Buckner in the game. So if Nick Saban wanted some semblance of competition, he could have done it when the game was already a blowout in the second quarter. Uh, the way Saban played the quarterbacks marked a clear line of delineation between one and two, and Jalen Milrow did did Nick, what Nick Saban wanted. He was efficient. He managed the game. He didn't turn the ball over. As for Kyle McCord, he did turn the ball over, but he had a solid performance for Ohio State in his first career start. The numbers were good, not great. He did not have a touchdown pass, but Kyle McCord looked really strong in flashes. He used tight end Cade Stover, who was the player of the game, for five catches. And what he did was play well enough where Ohio State didn't go to him until the fourth series. Uh, one issue looming for him as he tries to hold off Devin Brown, who we'll likely see more of against Youngstown on Saturday, is that Ohio State's offensive line looks suspect in parts. Travion Henderson, for example, had two less yards per carry on Saturday than his career average. We always appreciate the insight and can't wait to see what happens with both of those quarterback spots. Let's go back to Sam and Rod now. And you guys, I want to take this a different direction. Are you more excited about the Alabama offense or are you more concerned about the Ohio State offense? So, Rod, how are we feeling? More excited about Bama, more concerned about Ohio State? I'm good with Bama. And I don't want to overly panic about Ohio State, but I'm worried. You know, uh, Kyle McCord got beat up. He got hit an awful lot. That offensive line did not protect him. And probably the most distressing thing was that Marvin Harrison Jr. was essentially a decoy during that game. He only caught two passes. And he worked on his blocking because that's primarily what they used him for. But to have the best receiver in the country and really not target him and not get him involved in the game, Sam, is kind of odd in your first game of the season. So I'm concerned about the pass protection, and I'm concerned about not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. involved in the game plan. Yeah, I've got concerns as well, Rod. A lot of that has to do with early on. I get it, Devin Brown didn't come in until the third or fourth series, but he came in right after a Kyle McCord interception in the first half. And so this quarterback competition still seemingly may be ongoing, but poor, poor first half performances are not gonna help. Let me tell you where we didn't see poor quarterback performances or poor first half performances or really poor for performances at all. That was in the Pac-12 because, man, they were undefeated in their opening weekend and quite a week for the quarterbacks out west, starting with Bo Nix. Completed 85% of his passes with 
three touchdowns as Oregon scored 81 points, their most in any game since 1916. Then there was Washington's blowout win over Boise State. Michael Penix Jr. became the first player in Washington history to throw for at least 400 yards and five touchdowns in a game. Great start for him and a great start for Clemson transfer DJ Louis Angelale, who had an impressive debut for Oregon State, completed 80% of his patches for three touchdowns in the win over San Jose State. He also ran for two touchdowns, so really got them off to a strong start. Also, Caleb Williams, no surprise here. He continued his impressive start the season, throwing for 319 yards and five touchdowns. He now has nine passing touchdowns in their first two games. And then there was a game that was delayed over two hours due to severe weather. Arizona State true freshman Jaden Rashada completed 18 of 31 passes for 236 yards and two touchdowns. And we are not done yet because you already saw it, but we got to give it a little bit more love. How about... Sanders in his FBS debut threw for over 500 yards and four touchdowns pulled off the upset win over TCU so impressive stuff from these quarterbacks so far you take a look at the Heisman odds Hunter also on the list you see with 16 to 1 odds Travis Hunter that is to win the Heisman only behind Caleb Williams, Michael Penix Jr., and Jordan Travis. So a couple guys really busting onto this scene. You guys, could we see two potential Heisman people, two potential Heisman candidates, finalists is what they're called, two Heisman finalists from the Pac-12 when it is all said and done, Sam? Kelsey, whether they're people, candidates, finalists, <laughs> like I don't care what they are, they go, whether they play they, both sides they of the will, ball, they will be there, Kelsey. I mean, this the, the Pac-12. This is the best the Pac-12 has been in my recent memory. And Rod, I can lean on you for even longer memory, right? Like you were so dialed into the Pac-12, but like. You look at even a team like Oregon, look at how much they score. But then you go to USC, who you believe is going to be in that conversation. Obviously, Washington in that conversation. Who knows what Colorado is going to do now they just pulled off a 21-point upset. So, for me, this is the year of the Pac-12, even though the Pac-12 in a lot of ways is disintegrating. Yeah. Well, we knew there would be a big four with the quarterbacks, you know, with uh, Caleb Williams, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Cam Rising, who hasn't even played yet. But now Shadur is on – on the money, DJ Angelale is part of it, and I just, I just wonder when are we going to stop sleeping on Michael Penix Jr. Mm. Michael Penix Jr. is outrageous. I don't think anybody in the game throws a better deep ball. You know, his deep ball is really something. And then, then you talk about Shadur Sanders. This man showed so much poise and patience. His deep ball, his ability to throw on the move. I mean, we have guys who are reinventing. You know, the deep ball, Sam. So, Penix and Hunter, to me, uh, I might take those two guys as my guys that would come out of the Pac-12 as the Heisman guys. And, and just to your point, I know we're talking about Hunter, we're talking about Penix, but we cannot understate what Shador Sanders did. And I get it. It's just week one, right? There's week zero, week one. But Shador Sanders, this is the most passing yards he's had. Even the last couple years at HBCU, he threw for 510 passing yards, four touchdowns, yeah. led his team to an, up, an upset over a team that was just in the national championship. And so if we're getting excited about Caleb Williams and excited about uh, last year, Bo Nix, his great performances. We have to get excited about Shadur Sanders as well. That's that's part of the reason why I'm wearing this uh, black and gold a little bit. I'm just going to say that. It, it, 
Especially because they played against a top 20 team that we saw playing in the national championship last year as well. So it was not an easy opponent yep. in TCU, and they were able to get off the upset, and he was setting programs records in his debut. We've got a lot more to get to here on College Football Live. College football season not over yet, but how about the ACC this weekend? North Carolina stepped up in a big way. The defense, why they could take this team to the next level alongside their Heisman hopeful and quarterback cuts ahead on College Football Live. Field at Wallace Wade Stadium set to host a big one tonight as Clemson comes into town. The Tigers have won seven out of the last eight conference championships. They have set the standard in the ACC, but Duke won nine games last year, and they've got a quarterback that is on the rise. Let's dive into some of the storylines of this game. And on the Clemson side of things, you'll see the debut of new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. There have been a lot of conversations about what we will see from him. His TCU offense made it to the college football playoff last season. And we are going to get to see quarterback Cade Klubnick making his second career start. He was the MVP of the championship game last year. How about Duke seeking its first win against a top 10 team since 1989? That happened to be against Clemson. The Blue Devils have lost 28 consecutive games against top 10 opponents. But this is not your average Duke team because they have a quarterback named Riley Leonard. He's back under center. He led the Blue Devils both passing and rushing yards last season while setting program records with 33 total touchdowns. And he has really busted onto the scene, and he's busted onto this list as well. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s third-ranked quarterback prospect for the 2020 NFL Draft behind only Caleb Williams and Drake May. So Sam Ocho and Eric McLean back with me now. And Emac, you're actually at Wallace Wade Stadium ahead of the game tonight. So I'm coming to you on this. Riley Leonard, what do people know about what they're going to see from him and this Duke offense? Yeah, Riley Leonard's a bad boy. You know, when you look <laughs> at this young man and the things that he can do with his football team, with his legs, with his arms, but mostly his competitive nature. You know, I asked him last year because he was a great basketball player, Riley, why did you choose football? He said there's only one position in all sports where you have control of an entire offense, and that's quarterback. That's what I want to do. This young man, he's a guy where you see him off the field, he's calm, he's humble, nicest guy you can ever meet. But in between these lines, Acho, he wants to destroy you. And I think that's such a great quality for a quarterback. And with all his physical traits, it's impressive. And he was the guy for them all last year. On the other side of things, Sam Cade Klubnik. We only saw him get his first start in the postseason. We saw him come in and help the Tigers win an ACC championship. Sam, you spent some time with him this offseason. What did you learn about Cade Klubnik heading into this season? I learned how much he loves his teammates, but how that love is, is fueled by this competitive nature and competitive desire. This dude wants to win in everything, whether it's ping pong bowling, like whatever it is. I got a chance to be at their practice just a few weeks ago and watch him. I was in their facility with Cade, with his receivers. Like this dude loves his teammates well, but he also wants to beat everyone in front of him. So that's what stands out to me most about Cade Klubnik and this Clemson Tiger football team. 
And it's going to be a great game tonight on ESPN. We'll have more on it in just a little while as EMAC will break this down, what the X factors are. But right now, let's take a look at another game that we saw this weekend that was really in the primetime spotlight. That was number 21, North Carolina, taking on South Carolina. And Drake May, Spencer Rattler, ready to go at it. Head-to-head, -head, second quarter, North Carolina trailing. But not for long, EMAC Drake May airs it out to Kobe Pesor. Yeah, what's new? This young man dropping dimes all over the field, putting it outside of the wide receiver's shoulder there. Great pass. Our heels had the lead and then trying to add a little more. Gavin Blackwell hauls it in for 37 yards. North Carolina on the doorstep. And then Omarion Hempton gets the handoff. He's in for the touchdown. Tar Heels with a 10-point lead. Next North Carolina drive. What can't Drake May do, Acho? This should not be fair, Kelsey. What we're seeing Drake May do <laughs> every Saturday should not be legal. It should be disqualified. <laughs> Especially if his defense is playing like this. That's Kamen Rucker coming in, putting the pressure on, getting the sack. North Carolina wins it 31-17. to And how about Mac Brown? 100th career win for him at North Carolina. More on that later. But first, we got to focus in on this. Nine sacks for North Carolina. Their most sacks in any game over the last 25 seasons. Six of those came on third down, matching their total from all of last season combined. Eric, last year, speaking of last year, they only had 17 sacks all season long. They had nine in this first game. How dangerous can this team be if the defense is going to play like this? Can anybody check on Gene Chizik? How excited is he right now that he has, doesn't have to answer any of those questions? My goodness, I know he's jacked up. But also this defensive line played out of their minds, Kelsey. You know, the things that they were able to do. When I saw our guy came in Rucker, the butcher, as he likes to call himself, this dude was dicing it up. Great hands, moves that I haven't seen him been able to do yet with the rip, the swim, the spin. I mean, he was electric. Five and a half tackles for loss two sacks. I mean, he was a problem all night. The offensive coordinator, the running back, Spencer Rattler, everybody is having nightmares, Sam Macho, about this man right here. And the defense was the weak point, Emac. Over the last few years in North Carolina, the weakness wasn't Drake May, yeah. nor was it the offense and Phil Longo. It was the defense. The defense is what gave up big leads in fourth quarters to teams that you should have beat. But all of a sudden, this defense now has pass rushers, nine sacks like you saw at critical moments. Third down is money down, as we like to call it. And so if you add that defense to Drake May and the offense, you have a potent team that can maybe go, as Mac Brown likes to say for his team, from good to great. That's what they're going for. It seemed to be what has been holding them back the last couple of years, this defense win, would they be able to step up? What hasn't held them back is the play that we have seen from their quarterback, Drake May. Emac, what do you think about what we have seen from him as they try to take this team to the next level? He struggled down the stretch last year, but it looked like he was right back on track this year for the most part. Yeah, Kelsey, and what I love is he admitted that. You know, he said people tried to drop eight. I wasn't seeing those windows properly. That's a big thing he's working at. He can do every throw, every run. This guy absolutely has it. I don't think this is a one-man race for the first overall pick. I think Drake May is going to push Caleb Williams. Can't wait to see that. We will keep an eye on what we see from Drake May and North Carolina. A big win for them right out of the gate, though. we got more to get to on College Football Live. We've got a big game coming up to wrap up five straight days of football. Clemson, Cade Klubnick, what will he do against a Duke team that is on the rise? We've got the X Factors in tonight's game coming your way on College Football Live.
Welcome back out to College Football Live. And you're taking a look at beautiful Durham, North Carolina, where the Blue Devils getting ready to hope number nine Clemson, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Should be a big-time matchup. And cannot wait to see what that one looks like. EMAC, you got the field there, Brooks Field, right behind you. And we, we want to talk a little bit of X-Factors because I know Riley Leonard is an X-Factor. I know this Clemson defense is an X-Factor. So what do you do to stop Riley Leonard if you're this Clemson defense? That's right, Kelsey. It's going to be a big challenge. Duke is 6-1 and one when Riley Leonard rushes for over 60 yards, so that means you better pay attention to it. He's a big, strong athlete, and when you look at the tape here, he can get after it in a hurry. Look how impressive this is on a design quarterback run, a little bit of a draw here. He's going to have a lead blocker, but look at the power and the vision. There's six defenders around him, and Riley says, that's all good. You needed seven. Puts his foot in the ground and takes it to the house for 60 yards you see the vision here you see the explosiveness that is a big time athlete and going to cause problems for a lot of people but here's the good thing Clemson has their own freaky players and it starts with Barrett Carter watch this athletic ability five feet in the air he's jumping over somebody but he's not done yet he's going to track down this quarterback look at this pursuit drill absolutely scary to see a guy like that and then how about the all-american Jeremiah Trotter. This guy is tenacious, high-speed motor. You're going to see him get kind of lost in the sauce here as we see him in the middle of the field. He gets there. Looks like he's blocked. The quarterback sees it. Okay, I want to get outside the pocket. I see a lane. Not so fast. Jeremiah Trotter's too fast, too smart, and you see the instincts here from the young man to get the sack. The axe man and the X-Factor uh, are going to be at full display tonight. Those guys I expect to have massive games, Kelsey Riggs. Emac, we cannot wait to see it. We appreciate all of the time and insight and see you on your coverage. We'll let you get out there right now because this game coming your way in just a little while, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Our coverage continues here at 7 o'clock before that. And College Football Countdown will be with you 7 Eastern right here on ESPN. Long wait is finally over. We are finally underway. Football is back. You have got to be kidding me what I just saw. That was one of the great plays I've ever seen. He's Superman. He's not human. Legend Deion Sanders grows. What a hit. Boom. We're watching a player put himself right in the Heisman conversation for an opening day. Aren't you glad football's back? Woo, you love it. We thought you were coming. We thought we were joking. And guess what? We keep receipts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to college football. Sam Macho, Rod Gilmore back with me now. And, man, college football is finally all the way back, you guys. It was a great, a great five days. It will be a great five days once tonight is over of week one games. So, Rod, let's go four downs on week one and what we saw. And we talked a lot about transfers, but give me one transfer that's under the radar that you really like that you saw from week one. Oh, the one that I was happiest to see was DJ Uyungalele at Oregon State. I mean – the guy comes over from Clemson, he's in a good offense, and he was outstanding. He made a throw, 50-plus yards that just took my breath away. And then when they needed him to run the ball in the goal line area, he looked like that man. So I think he's a perfect fit for the Beavers, and they have a shot, a real shot, Kelsey, to make a run at the Pac-12 title. 
It's so good to see him succeeding. He has been through so much in his career. Excited about that. Sam, let's go second down. More surprising Big 12 loss. Was it Texas Tech and double overtime or Baylor falling to Texas State? Uh, it was Baylor falling Ooh. to Texas State. And the reason I say that is that Texas State has a new coach in town, a man by the name of G.J. Kinney, a man who actually played with. We came out in the same recruiting class. I say that to say he's a young man, 34 years old. But he led Incarnate Word a 12-2 record last year. All of a sudden, he's bringing recruits, he's bringing playmakers, and he's taking back the state of Texas. That's his motto. He talks about belief. Every single one of his players believe. That was a hot performance for not the team that we thought it would be, but good stuff to see Texas State step up the way that they did. Rod, let's talk about other hot performances. And this is different because it was so hot where you were that <laughs> shoes were literally Oof. melting. Yeah, we were in Dallas. I mean, it's hot all over. I get it. But our cameraman had his shoe melt <laughs> oh on my the turf gosh. while working. That's how hot it was. And I can, I can attest, I was on the field before the game, and it was incredibly hot. And had I been down there 10 minutes, my shoes would have melted also. <laughs> I was going to say, you said before the game, I know I know how you analysts are. You and Sam, you guys hang out in the nice booth. It feels good up there. Everybody <laughs> on the sidelines is dealing is dealing with the elements. That's how it goes. No worries there. Um, Too hot. Sam, I want to give some love to your former coach, Mac Brown. A hundred wins for him at North Carolina. What did you think about what we saw, not just from Mac Brown, but also his dance moves? Oh, I was impressed by the dance move. But even doing this, Matt Brown was doing the Soldier Boy in the locker room. There's Miss Sally in the back. He was doing Soldier Boy back in 07, back in 08 when it was hot. I remember him doing the stanky leg. Right, no matter what the dance move is, Mac Brown's on top. Mac Brown probably created the dance move. And so shout out to Coach Brown. 100 wins at two programs, only coach to ever do it. He's a man of his word. He's honest. That's why guys love him. That is big-time stuff. 100 wins, as you said, at two different programs. Congrats to Matt Brown and a big win for them to start the season. Rod, we appreciate it. We will say goodbye to you. Sam Macho, stick around because we got more coming. We got to talk about how Thanks you ended up me. talking to Deion Sanders. I saw you on the broadcast midway through the broadcast afterwards, but we've also got to get back to this because what a performance we saw from Jordan Travis. Marty Smith takes you inside the life of Jordan Travis. Welcome back into College Football Live. Jordan Travis accounted for five touchdowns in Florida State's dominating win over LSU Sunday night. A big marquee matchup for the Heisman hopeful. But our Marty Smith has more on his life outside of football and why fishing is a little bit like his journey to a Heisman Trophy contender. It's pretty out here. As our for Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, a wet line can be a lifeline because he says fishing helps him keep perspective on football. I'll say that the biggest thing for me is that you can get through anything. Um, there's always many people that tell you you can't do things and you can persevere and fall back on what you love the most. I mean, I love football and I've always have. Don't get caught up about tomorrow. Focus where you are right now. Right now, Travis is a nightmare for opposing defenses. And he launches it. Travis under pressure. Turns the corner. Sports Center top 10. 
But before Travis could haunt opponents' dreams, he had to overcome his own nightmare. Let's back up to a bit more difficult moment for you. You actually considered giving up the game. Um, yeah, I was just young, um, immature. Obviously, football is not an easy, especially college football, it's not easy at all. A lot of stress. So yeah, it, it, was, it was really tough. Travis's career began at Louisville in 2018. After one frustrating season, the West Palm Beach native transferred to Florida State. But the frustrations continued. He was just down on himself. He wasn't playing, and you know, he was just all, oh, you know, talking about, man, I, should I do it? Should I keep going? Hearing noise from the outside was, that was my biggest thing. I was always on Twitter, always on Twitter, seeing what people were saying about me, DMs, all that type of stuff. I just got caught up in the whole social media world. Jordan says his confidence fell so far that in 2020, he offered to leave the quarterback room and move to wide receiver. But his head coach was having none of it. I said, I want you to leave this office and I want you to walk into our lobby. And when you walk into the lobby, there's the three Heisman trophies. And I absolutely believe that you can win one of those. I feel like before I had guys that doubted what I could do. Coach Norvell just, he didn't care about what anyone else said. It was all about what he thought. And they said that they were going to believe in me and push me as hard as they can. And they have done that. And I can't be uh, thankful enough for them. Norvell was right, and in 2022, Travis fulfilled his prophecy, ascending into the upper echelon of quarterback talent in the country. Behind Travis, the Seminoles produced the program's first 10-win season since 2016. That's my quarterback right now. That's my quarterback. There is no other quarterback in the country that I want to be able to do this with than him. If he can continue to do the things that he's done to get to this point, uh, the sky's the limit to what he's going to be able to do individually, but you know, also what he's going to be able to do for this team. Expectations bring pressure, but Travis has found solace in the silence on the water. When I'm on the water, I can just, I'm locked in on the water and that's it. There's no other worries in my mind at all. At the end of the day, it's football. You can't make it something more than it is. I mean, obviously it's my life and it means the world to me, but you got to have another love, and they call it fishing, not catching, so you never know if you're going to get anything. But when it translates to football, I mean, things are not always going to go your way in football, and you just got to focus on the thing in front of you. Great story there from Marty Smith, and a great story here for what we've seen from Colorado already in Deion Sanders. But Sam Ocho, why were you celebrating with Deion afterwards? we got to hear this story after this. got something special for you because we know Pete's going to be at game day this weekend. We know Lugs will see you at Clemson Duke. I'm hopping all around the ACC to four or five games in four days. Sam, you're not in the studio, and I heard you might be doing something special, so let me show you what we got as you tell me. 
Is that where you're going to be, Sam? Oh, let's go. So sources <laughs> tell me that I might be right behind Coach Prom at the Colorado <laughs> TCU game. Right, My sources reached out to one of the uh, associate athletic directors at TCU, trying to hook something up. And sources tell me as well that that might be a real actual picture in about three or four days, not Photoshop. You know, That's going to be one of the most We're just trying to will it into happening. You know, you said you wanted to be there. So I'm like, can we Photoshop him there? Let's try and make it happen. That's a bad Photoshop, man. You got more muscles than that. <laughs> we don't need the Photoshop because, Sam, you made it happen. It wasn't the photo where you're behind him, but it is you with him hugging it out. Take a look. All right, so just got to the stadium. Me and Caleb here. Caleb, who are you, who are you rooting for? TCU. I'm trying to see Coach Prime, baby. Coach Prime. One step closer. Colorado football. No, 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 TCU. <laughs> he said no TCU. I like it, Sam. Okay, you're getting there. We're getting there. Got close to the sideline. That's Coach Prime. <laughs> I thought that would be my shining moment. But then more happened. I got a chance to actually talk to Coach Prime on the field. And honestly, this is why I believe he encouraged me. He believed in me. He talked about how much he watches our show and he appreciates it. So, Coach Prime, we appreciate you as well. You were there. I'm like, that, that has a steel suit. How did he get out there? You're on the national broadcast. Hey, Same to everybody. <laughs>